Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Norwich. Wow. Welcome to the Playhouse. Please welcome a man who's been gorging himself on mustard all day while he's been here. It's Richard Herring. Fuck up. Right, hello! <laughs> Welcome, eventually. We'll leave all in. It's comedy gold. Welcome to Richard Herring's Little Spook on Toomland Alley podcast. <laughs> uh, the people here know about her. The uh, Augustine Stewart house was boarded up during the plague because everyone had died of the plague, but one little girl was still alive in there. The people of Norwich didn't care. <laughs> They let her die and she's still banging on the dog and let me out. So that's the 16th century that happened in, though it's Norwich, it could have been the 21st century. So. Uh, though I was hanging around with a gang of graffiti artists in 2018, writing Les Dennis on all of the walls of Norwich. Which is still the most exciting thing that has ever happened in Norwich. Uh, they call it Rahulastavos. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, it's great to be back in Norwich. We've done some here before. Uh, so, uh, did anyone come see us? Yeah, it's a great time. Not many. Not many returners. Um, uh, it's great to be in Norwich. On the sign as you enter, or at least used to be, they think they've been nicked or something. Uh, it said, uh, Norwich is a fine city. Uh, and I've been here, and they're right, it's fine. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Um, and I'm so excited because we're very close to Great Yarmouth. So uh expect most of you have been down to see my bridge. Have you ever been to see the, the Herring Bridge? I have, or maybe I'll pop, out, pop down and see it. I'm here for a while. I'm here for four weeks uh, so, doing this show. Maybe, maybe between this week and next week's show, I'll pop to Great Yarmouth. 
Have a look at my bridge. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't look, they, so they're trying to argue in Great Yarmouth Council that it was going to be called that anyway. But it wasn't. I made it called that and it's named after me. And what else? What have you achieved in your life, mate? You've got a bridge named after you now. That's going to be called the Herring Bridge for probably 50 or 60 more years before it falls, falls into the sea. Let's crack on, I think. You know, we've had some fun. We've had some disasters. Let's see what can go wrong next. Uh, my guest this week... Uh, he's well known as being... There's a couple of things. He was the, the camera operator on Florence. <laughs> Pretty good. I've never seen someone with as many different sections of IMDb covered as this guy. He was also, of course, in... Uh, he was the floater in Doctor Who Redacted, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm most interested in. <laughs> Will you please welcome the incredible Alistair Beckett King, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. It's Alistair Beckett King. The floater. Hello. So, hi. Hello. Uh, so what's happened there is, yeah. the premise of that joke is you choose usually a, a famous person <laughs> and an obscure credit. Yeah. But w- what's happened here is kind of the inverse of that, because <laughs> that's the most exciting thing I've ever done. Well, I wanted to talk about it. I mean, it sounds like you played a piece of poo that wouldn't go down the toilet in the Doctor Who. Is that what I, it was? I, I believe the, the writers of the piece might have had that in mind <laughs> okay. when, when naming the character... Yes. Who was a, an alien, a floaty alien, right. who was a, a poo. It was an alien poo, <laughs> and I had six lines. Highlights. Highlights yeah. of my career so far. What, is, what was Doctor Who redacted? It was a, a, a podcast series. Okay. It, was a, it was an LGBTQ plus podcast series, okay. and I'm, I'm not really LGBTQ plus, uh, so they said, you can be the poo. <laughs> If you still want to be in it, and I was like, yes, yes, I do. That's good. It's well, very good. What about being the camera operator? As I said, you've done a lot of different jobs on IMDb. Yes, so that was when I was at film school. So basically, yeah. I have been unsuccessful across a range of media. <laughs> if, you, if you think I'm mediocre as a comedian and children's author, you should see me doing everything else I've done. Uh, so I went to... I, 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 Basically, my plan was to be Terry Gilliam oh, off right. of Monty Python. I know him, yeah. Um, and, um, and that's why I'm becoming increasingly right-wing. As, <laughs> as I go, oh, I identify as a black lesbian. Um, the thing about being able to do a good impression of Terry Gilliam is nobody knows what he talks like. <laughs> it was good, it was good. Uh, but it's pretty much exactly like that. <laughs> but you don't know. <laughs> if you're listening to this now, pause it and go and listen to Terry Gilliam. <laughs> And then laugh and email me about it. Um, that's what he sounds like. Um, I was a, a huge fan of Terry Gilliam, so I thought I'll, I'll, be, I'll become a filmmaker and, and they were like, you can't do this. <laughs> and they, uh, I made lots of uh, short... Not lots of short films. I made a very small number of short films that took ages and everybody hated. And then I started doing stand-up, which I was no better at, but it's, it's just quicker and cheaper to be unsuccessful <laughs> as a stand-up comedian. Like a five-minute film takes months to make, but a yeah. five-minute set... It takes five minutes. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> well, I think you're being a little hard on yourself, Alistair, but, uh, yeah, but and also, of course, your skills uh, that you've learned at film school have come in very handy. I think we'll talk about that uh, in a bit, but uh, you, have, uh, you, you do some amazing stuff online uh, that I'm sure people have seen. Um, let's talk about... Because well, this is an audio format, I think we need to uh, paint, paint a picture... Uh, with our of, words. Uh, with, with our words, yeah. Of you, I, I, I think I've told you this, but I was driving home from a, um, a Leicester Square Theatre podcast in London and I was just driving past Tottenham Court Road and I saw you from behind, like about 50 yards away, and I thought, that's Alistair Becker King. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed it was. Yeah. So like, you are so individual that even in a city of 20 million people... A man can pick you out and go from behind. From behind. That's the, it's the best you. way to see me. Um, yeah. This is why nobody comes to see me on tour, because you can just see me from most places. I'm, I'm tall, I've got long hair. If, if you're at a reasonable altitude, I'm visible. Yeah. Um, like the Great Wall of China. Of you've, a, of a you, man. you are a red-haired man, yes. is what I will I've say. Got long, for... long red hair. Yeah, but you've got... I mean, you've really doubled down on the red hair. Yeah, I, thank you. Yeah. I Some people would be ashamed and hide it, and I'm glad that you're not... <laughs> I'm glad you're not one of those people. I'm just uh, yeah. saying some people would just shave it all off. But you've gone the other way. <laughs> but, and deliberately so. Because yes. like, when I was in school, it was, the redheads would um, 
would hide it, keep it under a, a bushel. Or <laughs> yeah. I made it into a bu- bushel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's time that we stopped hiding and came out of the shadows, but yeah. not for too long, because sunlight <laughs> isn't great for us, and just reclaimed what was ours. Are there any redheads in? Yeah. It's not enough. <laughs> not really enough for the revolution I was hoping about. Forget about that. The revolution's cancelled, guys. We're not doing it. But it is, I was reading Adam Bloom's excellent book, which we've talked about on a previous podcast. Um, and, you know, he talks about the importance of, you know, having an a image and, a, and knowing who you are on stage. But you, that, I mean, that's amazing that you're, you've got such an image that, you, that you're re- instantly recognisable. Yeah, it helps with the lack of material. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Fact that, um, it, it really does. Um, and like you were talking about seeing me from behind. I met somebody the other day, on, you know, I was working on something, and she said, oh, I've, um, I've seen you before. And I was like, do you mean perhaps you saw me on uh, the last series of Mock the Week? And she was like, no, I've just seen you <laughs> before. And she had on her phone uh, several photographs she'd taken of me <laughs> over several years in a variety of locations. So I, I'm, I'm just like an extra who keeps cropping up in the background of, of her life. Yeah. Wow, that's It weird. was a magical and terrifying moment. <laughs> also, what I learned from seeing you from behind was if, like, Benny Hill-style comedy ever comes back, you would be an Fingers excellent... Crossed. You would be an excellent guy who he thinks is a woman from behind oh, who yeah. then turns around and has a beard. That you've got, you've got the lot. You've got the long hair, you're slim, so from behind, you know, you Relat- could be... Relatively slim. Um, feminine is what I'm saying from Thank behind <laughs> I am quite hippie I yeah. hope the listener I hope that's coming across in audio my and hips then you turn around and then, and then Benny Hill no it's happened me and my girlfriend not to show off I have a girlfriend um, <laughs> have been walking down the streets uh, in, in York where you're from mm-hmm. and uh, someone drove past, a woman drove past leaning out the window of a taxi saying lesbians <laughs> And we're like, well, no, bring that taxi back. That was inaccurate. <laughs> An inaccurate hate crime. Do you think, um, I mean, we come from the northeast, and I, I've just been up in uh, Newcastle, and so I know there are four, this, the place with the most red-headed people the, yeah. in England, certainly, but it's got 40, I think 48 varieties of red hair there. Is that like Heinz? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what, what kinds are. I'm aware, because I think I'm a redhead, but I'm aware that there is also ginger, which I think is maybe more orangey than yes. Yeah. There's, there's at least 48. I think, I mean, you know... I, According I mean, to which authority? I don't know. They, I, this was the fact for Newcastle. I made a joke about 50 shades of ginger. It was something like that. So, uh, but... But yeah, so there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of. It, but it's it, it's a it's dying out, right? As a it's there won't it's be a recessive red gene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with climate change, you know, it's it's not looking good for us. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to those three people. Uh, two now. Um, uh, weirdly, though, I found, uh, there's, there was a lot of anti-redhead sentiment yeah. when I was at school, and I don't yeah. know if that's universal. I, I suspect it's because. Proper bigoted jokes weren't fashionable any were less fashionable maybe in the nineties and right. so it became it was kind of acceptable and funny to make fun of redheads. But, yes, it was. but the, the lack of imagination is what really got me. Like when I was always in school, there was one joke about redheads, which was, mate, your hair's on fire. Yeah. That's the reaction. I'm angry that you laughed. Because <laughs> it's not funny at all. And I heard that joke. 20 times a day for my entire school life. And one of the nice things about I'm sorry to I feel like a traitor to the North because I live in London. Nobody cares what you look like in London. It's quite nice to be able to walk around without people doing the same joke over and over and over again. Yeah. No. I mean, I think in the... I mean, obviously, this is the wrong audience for me to say that that's a bad thing. Yeah. In the, you know, in the 70s, and 80s, when I grew up, there was a lot of ginger jokes still, but we could also do all the other ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> but we still, even though there were so even, many even more... You still did there were the... so many to choose from, but... We still did. The, the ginger ones were still up there. Fair enough. That was so. historical of me to claim otherwise. <laughs> Good. Well let, let's well, let's mention you mentioned Mot the Week. Let's talk about Mot the Week because you uh, killed Mot the Week. Yes. Yeah. You destroyed I, it. I think the BBC felt it was too funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was um, a delight to to be able to to get a chance to do I remember watching that as a student. Right. And thinking one day I'm going to ruin that show <laughs> with my woke PC yeah. unfunny comedy. Bring back Frankie Boyle. Um, that's my opinion. Um, 
Yeah, and they, they, I was in the last episode, so I really, yeah, really, you were really, really there. Well, that was a good show they had for a while. <laughs> you did a Not few, anymore. You did a few. I don't think it. I don't think we can directly attribute it to you. I think they'd made the decision before. Yeah, right? it wasn't just me. It wasn't but, just you. Um, it was just you and all the other new. The young all comedians. the other new. Sometimes they had women on Richard. <laughs> sometimes there were women on it. You can't expect a good British comedy lover to watch a female comedian on a panel show without without vomiting all over their screen. It had to be cancelled. Yeah, how was it though? The last was it? Were they were the with the team emotional? Were the crew emotional? It was it was a very weird recording for me yeah. because there was an awful lot of uh, I remember the good old days, and I was like, I'm kind of new. It was like, have you ever been asked to sign a card for someone in a job where the person went on maternity leave before you were there? Because I've <laughs> I've been in that situation. It's like she doesn't know who I am, and they were like, you have to sign it. It's like, but she doesn't know me. And so the whole of the last episode, is like, yeah, I wasn't really there for any of this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Did Dara cry? He was uh, he's, uh, obviously a very angry man. Yeah. He uh, was furious the whole time. No, it, it was... It, actually, uh, I should say, it has a reputation for having been a bit of a bear pit or a gauntlet but it, it, it had been on for so long that i think it changed into a different show by the time it really I did, did it, yeah the the regulars and dara o'brien were extremely welcoming yes. frankly yeah. uh, you know to the extent of sort of make making sure you got to chip in and say your piece which was uh, nice but as an anecdote unfunny yeah. <laughs> well i thought it was a show because i didn't i i i found the early i mean i, I never disliked it but i found i found the i found the early series like you know, they, it was combative. It was everyone trying to interrupt each other, and I thought, it, I thought actually, out of all of those old, long-running panel shows that there are, it was the one that made the most effort to bring in new people in the in the in the yeah. series, and it was a it was a window for stand-up. So, so uh, you know, you, if you're going to cancel one, have I got news for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I wasn't involved in the decision to cancel no. that. I don't know why I'm taking well, the blame know. for this. I mean, yeah, that's, let's, that's never let's cancel. Have I got news for you? It's never going to end. It's never going to end. Uh, and I've never been on it. it. Let's cancel it. Yeah. But you know, it, it is. It, it's. It's a shame because it was. It, I mean, your generation comedians must have felt that as well. It was a shame that it was. It shut up just when it was like welcoming you in. They. They do seem to. Have, I think they made an effort to to start to give people a break. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a show that gave lots of people their break. But I think there was a a, a, dis, a decision to try to showcase some of the newer because there were lots of people like me who were, you know, all right. And hadn't had a chance to do anything on telly. And so it is a show. What are they going to replace it with? Repeats of Mock the Week. <laughs> uh, is what which is fine, because I get some money when they show one of the ones I was on. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you, did you know this? You must know this. I, I do know about I did not know that you got repeat fees. Well, it's kind of quite rare with panel shows. They often just buy you out with panel shows. So that you've well, done I well. Got, I mean, I, it wasn't a lot. The finger thing that I rubbed... <laughs> for the benefit of the listener, I rubbed my finger thing, my fingers together in the finger things mean the taxes yeah. kind of a way. Uh, it's not that much money. Yeah. Can you rub coins together like that? Is that... Is that how you... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm just do it nearer to the mic. Good. Um, let's talk about your your books because we'll make this a book club podcast, but again, it's, it'll still be a proper one. Uh, some people don't like the book club ones. Um, Do you have to download it? Uh, you know, they won't hear that if they haven't downloaded it. I'm so angry if they don't download it because I think it's a bad book club one. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 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 what can you do? Let's talk. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about the books. Um, so, which oh, here they are. They're here. So oh, wow. there's two so far. Uh, Murder at the Museum. So they're kids' books, right? They are for children. They're for children. Yes. So and, what? Let, and they, stupid adults. So well, if you're not. Oh well, I enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> Oh, one of those stupid adults. Uh, Montgomery Bonbon, Murder at the Museum is the first one, and then Montgomery Bonbon, Death at the Lighthouse. Now, you, ex- you explain who Montgomery Bonbon is, because it's, it's uh, obviously mysteries and detectives, but, yes. um, but it's got a bit of a twist. They are funny mystery detective books for the middle grade, which makes it sound like I'm saying they're fine, like <laughs> not that good, but middle grade means that they're like 8 to 12. But anyone can read them, even yeah. Richard Herring. I've- and They're the, easier to read than adult books. Yeah. 
that was, that was nicely spaced I'm out. Way easier to write. Yeah. So, so easy to write. Kids I don't, don't, I don't think that can be true because it is still, it, it's still a mystery and it's still... It's actually not, been well, horrible. The whole writing yes. process has been <laughs> nightmarish. Um, the, so the, the premise is yeah. that um, when I was 10, I wanted to be a detective and I told my dad I thought I would like to be a detective. Uh, I said, I want to be a detective or a stand-up comedian. And he sort of shook his head saying, I don't see that happening for you. <laughs> um, but he, the reason he said I couldn't be a detective is that nobody would ask a child to investigate a serious crime, which, to be fair to the man, is, is correct. But he, he's a realistic man and he just stamped on my dreams. And so I spent decades seeking revenge. And I... So the premise of the books is that Bonnie Montgomery is a 10-year-old girl with a gift for solving mysteries. But to solve the crime, she puts on a fake moustache and a beret and a sort of David Suchet playing Poirot kind of a voice. (laughs) And she solves them in the character of Montgomery Bon Bon. And none of the adults can tell that she's actually a 10-year-old girl (laughs) wearing a false moustache. But apart from that, they are proper mysteries with proper clues. And there's no aliens or ghosts, so they're proper fair play mysteries. But writing them is... You've written loads of books. It, yeah. it takes so much more nerve than stand-up. Like, I didn't realise how needy we were as comedians. Because when you're writing a stand-up show, every other <laughs> sentence, you turn to the audience like, huh? <laughs> Did you like that? Because if you didn't like it, I'll take it out. And, and you, you, people give you feedback all the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Whereas with a book, you have to do the... With a kid's book, you have to do the whole book before any child reads it. <laughs> yes. It's too late then. It's been printed before you find out if any children like it. Yeah, I mean, so it's what, what, what made you want to do this? I mean, obviously you've said that it was your ambition to be a detective. What, what, what sort of drew you towards writing for kids and how did you make this happen? Because it's very difficult to get books published. And, it is, uh, but not for me. Okay, tell, t- tell us about how it happened. I, I, it was a bit jammy and I feel bad saying it because there are so many, uh, you know, aspiring authors and authors who've worked and grafted so, so hard. Um, but what, what I did was do some funny videos on Twitter during a global pandemic. Basically, I had a, a very good pandemic. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was great for me. Uh, yeah. Things were going nowhere, and by the end of the pandemic, I was, I was riding high on a wave of amusing, <laughs> moderately amusing, quite well-lit Twitter videos. <laughs> and one of, one of the things I did was an a interactive whodunit on, on Twitter oh, yes. over, about, over the course of about a week. Um, and, uh, and you could play along. You still watch it on YouTube, but you can't, you can't vote in it anymore, but you can still play along and try and work out who did it. Um, and um, Gronya, my editor at Walker Books, uh, saw that and got in touch and said, do you have an idea for a children's book? And I said, yes. <laughs> and uh, and my, my lifelong dream of becoming a children's author began and, <laughs> and immediately came to fruition. No, I, I did work hard at it. I had to write, I wrote lots of stuff and it took, a, it took ages to turn into an actual thing. I did struggle but just not that much. <laughs> not enough to turn it into a... I, basically, I had the middle-class white guy, the middle-class white guy version of a struggle. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm a published author. Yeah. Way! Yeah. Finally! Well, I think, you know, that's fact. You Finally! Very, the videos you do are incredible. Again, maybe we'd, we, we can talk about them now, we can talk about it later, but they, you know, they're, 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 the production values are awesome. They are very funny. You're... you're you're a very good actor. I don't know why you had to italicise R. Because you were sort of but saying... They are very You're funny. sort of going, they're medium, they're all, you know, you're all putting yourself down, but they're very funny, and they're, but they're incredibly impressed, because there's a lot impressive. There's a lot of people putting videos on online. Are there that, bad videos on the internet? There, there is... There are ones which I would say the production values are not as high as yours. Uh, well, the, the, the annoying thing about I get so many compliments for the lighting in my videos. <laughs> but, like people say, like, oh, the BBC must be knocking you, battering down your door. It's like they have people who know how to do lighting, <laughs> who work there already. Like being the comedian who's best at green screen is a useless skill <laughs> outside of a pandemic where you're not allowed to leave the house. <laughs> Thought it was so useful during that that time, but outside of that, it is it is quite useful. I would love to get more compliments on the writing and jokes and <laughs> I accents. Think they're they're very very funny, but it, but it's, but it, but it's you know it's good that that works. That you know because I think it is so difficult for comedians and people who want to write and be funny to get discovered, and so that is an absolutely valid way to get discovered to create something and put it online. It's you know I think it's it's what I've sort of been saying for a few years about. Rather than doing Edinburgh, if you've got the money, if you've got the money to Edinburgh, you've got the money to 
to make a, a well-produced f- series of videos that you can put online that people will actually definitely see. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. When I was starting stand-up, which was uh, in about 2012, yeah. um, everyone would say, the, the, the received wisdom was, don't put your stuff online. Yeah. But, of course, in those days, everybody's cameras looked terrible and the sound quality was always awful, and so you wouldn't be representing yourself well. But, but it's, it's, so, it's the opposite of everybody's advice now, which is you've got to film yourself <laughs> doing banter with the, someone from the first row and put that on Instagram every single day, even though apparently it makes everyone very sad to do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do reels. I don't film me doing stand-up and, no. and put that online. I, I, I like doing the... I think the thing about the... I like to spoof, I'm quite good at spoofing things and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think I understand how films are put together and so uh, with a lot of, a lot of people's approach to comedy is like, you know, actually we're, we're not going to put much effort into this because like it'll be so bad it's good but I think if you, I think it's funnier to put too much effort into something that's stupid. <laughs> Isn't it funnier to try, to try really, really, really hard? <laughs> I, I feel like whenever someone brings out like a really good prop or in a, in a stand-up show, I'm so excited that they've spent time making it look good rather than go, oh, I'll just do something crap because it'll be funny to not try. It's like, this isn't rock and roll. <laughs> Comedy is for try-hard nerds. It's not for cool people. And, and so, like, trying to do a spoof and trying to make it look like the thing I'm actually spoofing, trying to, trying to you know, trying to get the shot size roughly the same. I, I don't know. that. I think about the arguments that Python had on the, you know, when they were making the Holy Grail and um, the Terrys would be trying to get all smoke and atmosphere in there and Graham Chapman and John Cleese would be moaning about that because they just wanted to say jokes. Yeah. And the Terrys are right. It's funnier. The, the films are funnier because they look like... Yes. You know, they do a good job of recreating medieval England or uh, the Holy Land. You know, it, it, it is better if you do it seriously and properly and then say loads of stupid stuff. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, so screw you, John Cleese. What do you know? <laughs> I think it's, well, I heard you talking to Stuart Goldsmith, listening to you talking to Stuart Goldsmith, uh, about the, the, uh, the interdimensional ABK, which was a show you did in Edinburgh, which had a like a, a two-minute video at the beginning of it. That yeah, you, you I, put, I toured it last year because yeah, that huge. video took so long to make. Right. I had to really make it financially viable. Yeah, <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring the show back and tour it. And so it's, uh, I did, a, 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 I suppose, a, a Japanese-style animation, like a Thundercats yeah. animated intro. Uh, I which, mean, it's, it's astonishing. It's online. Thank you. you, you that go, is correct, Do go and look at it. It's it, absolute... is really, it is really good. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. <laughs> But you were saying, you know, the, the, the part of the joke is the length of time it must have taken you to put it together. It did take months, but yeah. I do think committing to... You can't ask people, would you like that? You can't do the needy comedian thing of, would it be funny if I had, like, a lavishly animated introduction to this that will take me months to do? You have to just do it and completely commit to it and then show it to people and hope that it's good. And weirdly, it ruined the show for a bit when I was working on it because the show was going quite well and then I started doing previews with the video. And the video was so polished that I couldn't just come out with notes and be like, uh, so, my name's Alistair. Uh, and, and so it meant I had to improve the show to, okay. to live up to the build-up that the video was giving it. Yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
So look, look, all this led to writing the book and doing the book, and uh, you know, and I, and I think it's it's interesting that obviously, like, there's a, a lot of big name comedians are sort of made to or advised to write books or have got on that. Made to write uh, books. <laughs> I think they are probably made to do it. But, you know, it's become bit, really big business. But there are a lot of... We had a Beck Hill on recently, and my own wife, uh, Katie Wilkins. She won't use the, the name Heron most for some reason. Would say, most people would say my wife rather yeah. than my own wife. My own wife. <laughs> it, it just seems to emphasise ownership, yeah. and frankly, She's I'm fine. uncomfortable with that. And I just want to distance myself <laughs> from that verbiage. <laughs> Beckel isn't my. She's not my own wife. She's everyone's. She's, she's, she's everyone's wife. wife. That's, that's what I was doing. I don't. I don't know if I think we hold Beckel in common. <laughs> my sure wife. My yes. wife. My my. I am her husband. Let's say that. Um, uh, examples that they've they've found funny. They, you know, they found funny people and said, you know, write write uh, write an actually funny book and a comedy book. And it's sort of it's good that that's happening because you. It, it's so easy to. For them to say, you know, well, let's who's on TV? Let's get them to, you know, may, I, maybe write this book, or maybe let's give them a book they can say they wrote. Yes, and, and so, the, the, yeah, uh, uh, well, of course, we would never imply that any comedian <laughs> doesn't write their own books. No, that would be terrible. We would never say that. And imagine having the time to do all the stuff on TV and write all those books as well. There, they must. They must. Whoever have, we're no. thinking of must be tired. <laughs> Um, yeah, so having so I did this. Uh, I, I started writing the book before I was on the television show Mock the Week that I destroyed. Um, so I hadn't done any telly. So I, so there was no there was no chance of me being mistaken for a for a celebrity author because you have to be a celebrity to be a celebrity author. But it is also a different thing. Like the celebrities' books come out at Christmas yeah. because the, you know because they're famous. Whereas whereas I suppose real children's authors' books don't <laughs> come out at that. And so I, I wanted to. You know, I want to try and be a real children's author. You yeah. know, I want to try and do it. Fortunately, I wasn't a celebrity, so I didn't have a choice about that. <laughs> but I do feel a bit jammy because unlike most debut children's authors, I do have thousands of social media followers. So yeah. it was... That said, that's not... These days, Twitter, nobody reads Twitter. And I've got... I've, I have got a moderate-sized YouTube... I think I have a quarter of a million YouTube subscribers. Right. Did the mics pick that up? <laughs> But the thing is, like, they're all, like, middle-aged Albanian men. So <laughs> I can post to say I've got a book. I've got a, I can post to say I'm going on tour. I, I posted to say I was going on tour, and someone replied saying, doing what? <laughs> so, what, do you, what do you think this is? What do you think has been happening between us? Why do you subscribe? <laughs> Sorry. But, you know... That's what I said in reply. But I think we're especially writing kids' books. Obviously, there are serious kids' books and there are adventure kids' books. But, like, you know, I, I, I'm sure, that, like me, I loved funny books as a kid. And I think most kids love funny books. And I think, you know, a comedian will... Most comedians will get what that fun, level of funniness is, which I think... Because it's a different thing than knowing what will make an adult laugh, what will make a kid laugh. It's a... It's a it's a different it's a difficult thing. I think most people would struggle. Maybe maybe a lot of comedians would struggle with that. It, it's weird. And what's funny is I, 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 we were just saying this before, but I think that I think the kids often laugh at a funny idea more than they do a funny line. Like I think having having sort of presented, uh, you know, sort of pitched the book at kids essentially. I go, I, you know, sometimes going into schools with permission, and <laughs> they ask you to do it. I don't I don't just arrive with a big sack of books. Um, uh, you know, to sort of you know talk about what it what it means to solve a mystery. How to how do we let's invent a detective together? That sort of thing. I think kids love to sit in a funny idea and yeah. be like, oh wow, yeah, that's a funny idea. Rather, than, I, I think a, a one liner can be sort of too abrupt, too sharp for for a child. Yeah, like if I do a gig for, I was about to say humans. I mean adults. I <laughs> might. <laughs> If I was talking to humans, I might do, I do a, a joke where I, I mention the fact that I, I don't have eyebrows and the audience notices that I don't have eyebrows and, and then they laugh at the joke. It hasn't happened here. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, <laughs> too little, too late, sorry. Um, and for the benefit of the listener, I do have eyebrows, but they're basically invisible. Um, but the rest of my face is super hairy, so it's fine. Um, 
And, but if I do that same joke for kids, they don't laugh. But then what I do at the end, I'll say, any questions, and you can ask me any questions. You can ask me about doing animation or books or why I don't have eyebrows, and I just include it in the list. And when they realise that they can make the joke theirs, they, you know, after a few serious questions, someone will be like, where are your eyebrows? <laughs> uh, and I'll say, I lost them on the way to the school. And then someone else will, and then they'll just keep asking me about the And if they find it, the more annoyed I pretend to get... They, they find it hilarious to keep asking about the eyebrows and, and they don't know that I set that whole thing up. <laughs> I engineered that entire thing to give that to them. They have no idea. <laughs> so you, it, well, I, I, this is I underlined one of my, my favourite jokes. A couple of them, I found one of them. Uh, he, wore show, he wore shoes that clacked as he crossed the parquet floor and one of those small triangular beards that make people worry the wearer is about to do a card trick. I like, <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of uh, magic and conjuring, but the, the books contain a number of anti-magic jokes, and I don't know where, where it's come from. It's, good. it's a good joke, though. Uh, this is the other one. Again, I like this because you sort of have to... You sort, well, you don't have to go back, but it's... It's octagonal walls were topped with nasty little spikes designed to make pigeons or anyone else think twice before having a poo. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm laughing at that. I wrote this three years ago. Can't remember any of this. It's like, I think, oh, that's pretty good. But that's, you know, my son at the moment, I'm, my son's just going through a period where, I, I don't know where he got this from, where he just thinks saying the word willy is hilarious. Just endlessly saying the word willy. I mean, I did go through a phase from about the age of four to now, of, <laughs> of, 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 of thinking that too, but it's you know, but so anything with poo is going to work. But that's a, it's a lovely joke, and it's sort of a joke that you have to flip your head, you know, you have to flip back to the poo bit. Yeah, you know, I, but, there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of poo in it, yeah. but it's not a it's, it's not, not a poo a, heavy novel. Well, no, it's because it's you know it's a genuine mystery, and you and you and you're very engaged with it. And, and what I find interesting, it's obviously like if you're aiming at eight to twelve year olds, and it is about a murder. It's not a murder. There's a it's not a grisly murder. Oh yeah, there's a real murder in it. There's well. a murder. That was but my first question when I spoke to the publisher. Can you ha- can you have murders in books? And she she said yes. And I said right, I'll do it. <laughs> but I think again, I, you know, I remember as a kid the stories I was writing, the Thrilling Three. If people may remember from uh, Collins and Heron, if they go back far enough, and as it occurs to me, um, you know that was about that was about a group of you know kids tr- of one of whom was based on me uh, solving murders. You know, and like you you don't know what you know you don't really appreciate what a murder is. You just know it's an exciting thing to happen in a mystery. And this yeah. but this book has a proper. I like that. It's got a proper story, and you and you've got suspects, and you've you know, you, and there are clues. As so I it's uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, you are you are basically just describing what a mystery story yeah, is, but, but, it's, I, but it, it's got it pages, works. Um, it illustrations, it a typeface. It works as a story. It's and, got everything. And whole... I learned something. Oh, I learned something reading your book about clues. What, where the word clue comes from. Oh, yeah, it's got facts in it as well. Yeah. The word clue, shall I, do you want yeah, to say Yeah, I would like you to tell people, they're, it's um, going to blow their mind. Well, I'm sure some people here know this is Norwich, but um, <laughs> in Old English, um, th- so the word clue, meaning, a, a, you know, a fact in a mystery, comes from clue, C-L-E-W, meaning uh, thread. So a clue is a thing you, you pull on, like you pull on a thread. So if you read anything from the olden days and you see a C-L-E-W, they're not talking about a mystery clue, they're talking about a piece of string. Yeah. I mean, it's more interesting in the book. I think it's amazing. Than it is to explain to a room full of adults. <laughs> I didn't know that, and I, but I, lo- I think that's, you know, it's a great way the book's making you laugh, and you're learning something, and also you're, you're, you know, pulled along in the story trying to work out who the murderer may be. I'm, I'm glad you're, I, I, my dad um, didn't finish it. Did he die before the uh, before he got to the end? No, um, no is this the way of saying he, s- he died? Sadly, he's still alive. Like, sadly, um, my dad said, um, "Oh no, it's um, I got 150 pages in. It's not aimed at me, really, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it's for posh kids. That's what he said. I, I think it's for kids who go to private schools. Oh. Put it on the cover. <laughs> Um, but they do have more money, actually, the private school kids. So, yeah, if you are a private school child, please buy my book. I, I think, I think uh, any kid who likes comedy and... It uh, is for cle- it's for clever. It's for the clever I kids. think it is, it, is for, it is clever, but I think, you know... I think, you know, reading is increasingly for, for clever kids <laughs> without this government. Am I right? Yeah, I, I, wait, wait, wait. I turned we, it round. I'm not clear if... 
I was just saying kids. Were we enthusiastic about <laughs> illiteracy there, or were we? Yeah, yeah, okay. The row two are really enthusiastic. <laughs> and so the uh, second book, which yeah. I haven't read, but I have bought, and that's the important. That is thing, right? way more important to me. Uh, Death at the Lighthouse. So they don't have, they don't have VAT on them kids' books, so you're basically making money. <laughs> Please buy them. Um, yeah, so they're more planned. It's going to be a series. There will be, yeah, there will be. I I agreed to it when I didn't realise how hard it was to write. Um, so there's going to be two more, right. and I'm I'm redrafting book three, which is probably called something like Mystery at the Manor, um, because okay. because um, I, I I want to move the characters through the sort of the, the stock locations that mystery stories have. Because it's, I think it's quite fun to try and do something which is simultaneously a parody of the genre, so doing a big old country house and yeah. the, maybe the, the fourth one might be on a boat or something like that. But also an example of the thing itself, to try and do a proper mystery but also spoof it at the same time. And also, I guess, because some kids might not have read a mystery story, just explain the conventions of the genre to them so that yes. they, you know, explain how clues work and what denouements are. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. I, I'm, I'm re- I really enjoyed re- reading the one I read, so uh, congratulations. Do buy the books. Very good Christmas gift. This podcast might go out after Christmas. Um, <laughs> a fantastic but... Easter gift. <laughs> a lovely Valentine's gift for a child. <laughs> if, you want to... if you've got a special child in your life... <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'm happy with my books facilitating <laughs> this sort of thing, but a sale is a sale, so. Right, let me ask you, let's get out of this awkwardness by asking you uh, some emergency questions. I'm going to ask you a Would You Rather question from Ooh, uh, okay. Herring's Would You Rather book, uh, available in the foyer after the show. Um, uh, here you go. This a fine is one, gift for a pedophile. This is the one <laughs> I only, I only perform two paedophiles, uh, <laughs> the, the whole audience, so you picked the wrong people to take the piss out of today. <laughs> I, I didn't realise there were so many illiterate paedophiles in. <laughs> I apologise. Right. Would you rather be a diplomat, own a laundromat, or have a very nice bath mat? Oh, I'd love to have diplomatic immunity. Oh, yeah, well, that's That would be good, wouldn't it? There's no laundromat immunity. <laughs> There's no bath mat immunity. Bathroom mats probably get quite a lot of wee on them. So yeah. I, 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 I think I, as a kid I only listened to one episode of The Goon Show and the plot was someone had been killed by a falling piano and in order to get away with it they needed to go and screw diplomatic plates like a, a license plate yeah. onto the piano. Which, as you can imagine as a child, I found hilarious. I thought that was the, the, the idea that you could give a piano diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've not done it justice. <laughs> Just um, do some funny voices. So, uh, There's the goons. There's, he did one a week, but it's just been like... Uh, uh, <laughs> and then they got and then they got a bloody band in players music cheats. <laughs> good stuff. It was good stuff. Well done, Spike Milligan. Is <laughs> one is one of my heroes. Um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like Spike Milligan, who wrote every episode himself and and went completely mad doing that, was working hard enough on those. <laughs> Let's really kick him. <laughs> right, one more from here because this is this is a philosophical. There's everything in this book. Uh, would you rather know how you'll die or what will happen to you after you die? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's a good question, but perhaps not as good as the audience reacted. <laughs> um, I, I, I was... I think of myself as a non-practicing atheist because okay. I was uh, a, a very annoying Richard Dawkinsy atheist. Because uh, there's no proof, is there, <laughs> Richard? Um, there isn't, though, and um, <laughs> so think about that. Um, and then I, then I realised, and I'm still an atheist, but I realised that um, it's not that a, a good portion of atheists are more interested in being wankers than they were <laughs> in being atheists. Like, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, but like the feeling of being right on the internet is also a feeling, you know. <laughs> 
Um, and so the, my answer is that nothing happens after you die. Yeah, so I, or, I already know. So I choose the other one, which is yeah. knowing how I'll die. I think that's and a good then answer. I would avoid it. Because <laughs> I've heard folk stories and it's definitely possible to do that. <laughs> Whatever it is, I would be too wily. <laughs> yeah, they do. It, they, it usually rebounds on people, doesn't it, when they know how they're going to die. And not they, me, not they, me. They can avoid it. You say I'm going to drown, I'll just go for a sleep in a dry bower. It's very <laughs> unlikely that a spring will suddenly come up from the earth, drowning me in my sleep. It couldn't happen. <laughs> what? <laughs> One person knows the folk story. <laughs> uh, York based, that's, uh, I think the uh, Oz Motherly uh, near right. York is where that, one of the places that that I'd story I'd prefer that to. just as a thing you'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that sprung to my mind. It's weird that you die, isn't it? I kind of just, I was, uh, I was checking in. With me, that I die or that anyone? I was checking into. Uh, this the, is very broad observational was, comedy. Was, What's that all about? I was, I was checking into my hotel and they had, uh, uh, it was, I was on camera and the camera was, you know, sometimes it's just slightly out of sync. So you, can, you look away and then you look and then you see yourself look away. And for some reason then I thought, one day I'm just not going to be there at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I suddenly disconnected from the because the is person the, wasn't the, me. Not at the Premier Inn. Yeah, I had the same experience. Yeah. At that <laughs> I was here on tour earlier because there's something wrong with that TV. <laughs> the image is burnt in, <laughs> which means that you're semi-transparent. I think, right, if, okay. if I remember correctly, like you, you can slightly see through yourself. <laughs> Maybe that's what when was... you look at it. So it is like looking at a ghost of yourself. I also yeah. have had. And it's a ghost of yourself that's not doing what you're doing. Yeah, so it's, it's... A, a moment of mortality in the, in the Norwich it? Premier Inn. It is <laughs> One day because I be... heard I don't know where that the brain can live for 500 years, but the other organs conk out sooner. Okay. And it's just like 500 years that'd do me. Yeah. I think. I'd love to live for 500 years. As just a brain, though, or would you like the rest? Would you like to keep on? Not moving? bothered about the rest of it. No, I've, I've got a very distanced relationship with my body. I think. <laughs> I, I think people see me mostly as a brain. Yeah, and I, I'd be very happy. I think you'd you'd need to put a wig, a red so wig, so people could recognise. <laughs> if you if you saw a, a, a red wig on a brain, you'd be like, oh, I say, be okay. That's it. Wrap a little corduroy around the bottom for the trousers. Can you wear flares on a jar? I don't know. <laughs> they can do anything in the future. I mean, they, you know, the next generation, although I think the problem with this is that the world is going to be destroyed, but the next generation is meant to be the immortal generation, so my kids might, might sort of live for... I mean, you won't be immortal because there'll still be accidents and, <laughs> and eventually the earth will you know, fall into the sun. And eventually the universe will fly so far apart that it's, everything's dead. Yeah. So you won't be immortal, but you could live for 500 years, maybe. Five, min 500 years, yeah. There, I think there comes a point, you know, that's that, the idea of living on after you're dead is just too... Living for eternity is worse than... Oh, it's too much. Just, it's worse than dying. 500 years, you know, I'm watching, you know, loved ones and friends pass away. I could deal with that. Okay, so it's only you living for 500 oh, years. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm be happy for others to come along. But, um, yeah, I could, I, could, I could handle that. Yeah. Looking on the, the events of the day, like the Count of, to Saint-Germain. Am I saying that correctly? Am I saying that correctly? One person who knows about folklore? Count to Saint-Germain? I'm not saying it right. How Co would you say it? No way. Comte Saint... Comte Saint-Germain? <laughs> Where, That's you, how you, you would say it. Are you it, French? No way. No way is that the correct... <laughs> we'll ask next week... The Count of Saint-Germain. We'll, uh, we'll ask Saint next week's guest. Uh, well, if you can hang around till next week, <laughs> we'll ask next week's guest about that and she'll be able to tell us. Good, good. She'll be able to tell us in Spanish and French. Phew. But there we go. Uh, I'm gonna, the, the emergency questions are working well. We're going to stick with the emergency questions. Uh, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever seen a ghost because I don't think you've seen a ghost. So tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I have... Oh. Not seen a ghost, oh. but I have... No. I have had the experience of seeing a ghost. Um, I, so I, I was reminded of this because I, I, I went back to the hotel it happened in recently. Was and it the premiere in Norwich? <laughs> <laughs> was it yourself on the screen? Weirdly, it was you. Um, it's <laughs> a real I'm... delay on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I did a, years ago, I did a gig in Middlesbrough. So I'm, I'm from the northeast of England. So wow. it, was, it was the first time my, my parents and sister, I think, came to see me do stand-up. And I, I, I was doing a middle 20, um, which is quite a low-pressure spot. It's the, it's the easy one. And it was, it was a bad gig. I, I, did, I, I got laughs for the first five minutes and I got laughs for the last five minutes, but the middle 10 was just death, just pure silence. <laughs> There's an example of that. <laughs> it was like this, horrible. And... There was a table of teachers at the back who were chatting all the way through, and it was the first time my parents had seen me doing it. It was in a hotel, which is a horrible place for a comedy venue. It was in Middlesbrough, gig. which is a horrible place to do, to do comedy. Which is a terrible, it's a terrible place terrible to live. It's where my family are from, so I'm allowed. Um, and um, and part way through, it, some, and these places they've got bad lighting setups. Part way through, there, there was like a spotlight on a small area of the audience for no reason. And um, thank you. <laughs> And I, I caught sight of it, and I, and I thought I saw um, my, my girlfriend's parents, who were also from the Northeast. So I thought, oh, they might have, they might have come along. Yeah. You know? And I was dying. So you know the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, the audience might not be. Um, like when you're doing stand-up, if it's not going well, you sometimes sort of have multiple brains running. You're talking, but you're also thinking through how bad it is. Yep. And then you're planning, well, I can't do, if the good bits aren't working, I can't do the bad bits. <laughs> so, you're, so you're editing as well. And so one level of thought was going, oh, that's annoying that they came out to see me having this horrible gig. And then I remembered that my girlfriend's dad had died. <laughs> You're a very caring and attentive partner. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I remember, I was running three levels of brain, though, so don't judge me too okay. harshly. But I had, obviously, it was simply, it's the northeast. The, the genes, the gene pool is not wide. I don't need to tell you guys... <laughs> It was just two people who looked like my girlfriend's parents in the audience. But I had the, the weird rug pull, stomach twisting, while also dying on stage. Yeah. I had that, that weird, like, levitating sense of Did The idea the that you were being led towards the light. Like so a literal, literal death on stage. But so it, I, was, it was a genuinely horrible, chilling experience. What I'm interested in, though, is that your girlfriend's mother wasn't dead. So what you were imagining was that she had come to the gig with the with ghost, ghost. <laughs> of her husband. Yeah. And was happily sitting there with him. If you've already bought the tickets, you might as well. <laughs> okay. Good, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. Uh, so that. the answer is no, no I haven't no, seen, a ghost, seen a ghost. But, but I have thought I saw a ghost. Okay, all right. We're going to ask this question. You're lucky to get this question. Thank you. But we're doing it because we're out in the sticks. and. The... These people the, don't know any better. The people will... It will just make them happy. Their lives are not good. <laughs> and this will just... You'll see what joy it brings. Just, you'll see what joy it brings them. <laughs> then we'll move on. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham? <gasps> Look at that. Pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> or an armpit that dispenses sun cream. Which I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Because, yeah. I mean, I've, um, I've, got a clue, I've got a clue on this one. I think I know well, what you're going to Well, the thing is, I'm a very pale vegan. Yeah, that's what I'm... So it, there has never been an easier emergency question to answer for me than Let ham. me just say, as I always do, the ham isn't made out of pigs. It just is ham, though no pig has died. It's just grown on your hand. No, no animal has died to But once I get a taste for it. Yeah. Don't, don't you think? I think we should get a taste for hand ham. <laughs> Real ham will never be enough. You'll, you'll want... You'll want it to be the hand. But the thing hand. is, I, I would want an armpit that dispenses sun cream, even if it weren't an either-or <laughs> okay. proposition. Yeah. I, I, that would be so convenient. I've yeah. so often been caught without sun cream. Yeah. Is it high factor? It's, you choose the factor, but you have to stick with it. You can't start messing around changing the factor. Uh, well, I'm not going to want anything less than 50. So okay, you can have 50. <laughs> let's make this happen. Yes, okay, please. We'll, make, we'll, we'll sort that out for you. That's terrific. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just one more thing about the, the book that I wanted to talk about because there's some lovely illustrations in there and, and uh, who, how did you choose your illustrator? The illustrator is Claire Powell who okay. is an uh, extremely funny and uh, very talented illustrator and, and illustrates uh, Simon Farnaby's books oh, as right. well okay. which is why my character wasn't allowed to have red hair okay. because his protagonist has red hair okay. um, as well as lots of other brilliant books so I, I was really lucky um, I, she was the person I wanted to illustrate her and I was really lucky that that we got her. And the right. annoying thing about it is that she's put several jokes into the illustrations that I didn't write. <laughs> and people are all like, this one's so funny. I'm like, is it? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha ah, Funny drawing. I had to invent the whole thing. 
No, she's really, really great. And, it, yeah. and, and also, it's, um, I'm quite an... I don't know if this has come across, but I'm uh, quite an emotionally repressed <laughs> English northern man. I'm half Scottish. And so sometimes, um, like, th- there's a point in the, in the second book where, where the protagonist doesn't hug her friend after a very tense situation for a reason, for a plot reason. And in the drawing, Claire drew them hugging. Right. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, they should have hugged. That's the right, that's the right emotional beat. <laughs> but what's good about that is having someone with, like, emotional intelligence and a, and a heart <laughs> just, just coming on board to sort of fix my mistakes so that you still get the vibe that they, they had that moment, yeah. even though I expressly did not write it. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm more about the gags and the mystery, not really bothered about the characters' internal lives or emotions. <laughs> Uninterested in that, <laughs> as you'll see if you read the books. No, they are quite good. I do make an effort, honestly. They are, but they're, they're, it's very I feel good. like I've been doing them down. Please, you please, do, but that's please what you do. buy them. <laughs> it's, and come and see me on tour. I'm here in May. I was going to. I was going to go on to the tour. I oh, sorry, I just remembered. It, you've ruined everything. You've ruined the whole thing by bringing start that again. Up. Start again. Uh, we'll start. I'll, I'll, I'll spool back. Um, some cream, please. <laughs> okay. Perfect edit point there. Um, I wanted to know also about the books, whether there's... It feels like it would work as a lovely TV show or film. I'm sure you have considered that, but is there, is there any interest in it going that I, way? The, uh, the, the, I, they have been optioned. Right. Optioned for... Um, now, which, which, to explain, that's a bit of a showbiz term. Uh, what that means is when someone options something, they give you a little bit of money to think about making it into a TV programme, <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. Um, but it's nice. <laughs> but um, I, I assume at some point something that has been optioned gets made into TV, but not in my experience. You just get a little option and they just think about and, it. And, and it's nice that it's a, a central character who's a, a female ca- character. Was, was that a deliberate decision? Because obviously you, you're basing on your, your well, self. It's there, was a, there was a slightly weird thing talking to the... Um, talking to the... To the, to the, the, the uh, People about the book, um, I, I, more than one person has sort of described Bonnie as a, as a neurodivergent protagonist. Okay. Um, and, I, and I was like, uh, no, she's based on me. So <laughs> you've embarrassed yourself there. What are you, <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, she has to put on a disguise in order to be her true self. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> well, it's nice that it's, but that, that is interesting because yeah, she's she, yeah, she's she's a, a girl, but she's playing a, a presumably a, a male detective. Yeah. So it is. You Let's know, not it, think too hard about that. Uh, but that's but it's interesting. But I think it's nice as well because it's often you know it feels like it, uh, you're just, it, it feels like it's a book for boys or girls, right? So, I think so. Well, I think when I was a kid. Um, I, I, was, I was never a particularly um, rufty-tufty, sporty yeah. boy. No way. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know who said that, but thank you. Um, but still, I remember not reading, like, uh, Sophie's World, um, a book which I read later and thought was great because I thought it was a girl's book. I remember not reading um, yeah. Philip Pullman's Northern Lights books because someone had bought them for my sister and I thought they were girls' books and I thought you weren't allowed to read them. And I, I was so annoyed at myself. And so I wanted to try and... Because, broadly speaking... Boys don't read books with female protagonists. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's a generalization, but I think there's some truth to it. And so I, so I, wanted, to, I wanted to do a, a female main character, but I, but I wanted it to be one that I would have read right. as a kid to sort of trick me into reading it, yeah. if you know what I mean. I do, yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting. And I understand, I heard somewhere that you're on tour. I am on tour. Yeah, I don't know why. Word well, has got around, I'm glad. <laughs> What's the, is this is a new this is this is a, a new show. It's a new show. Well, in fact, it's a show I've, I did at the Fringe yeah, did, yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh, okay, um, but uh, basically, I've got spare shows yeah. from before I did anything good on the internet. So right. I so I used one of those on my last tour. Yeah, and I've got a show called Nevermore, which I haven't toured before. So if you didn't see it at the Fringe, you haven't seen it. It's different, and it's all about how I hate the sea. It's um, a, a lot of comedians are afraid to speak out these days and really talk about what a bastard the sea is, but, but not me, the only comedian not afraid to really stick it to the sea. Um, it's, it's not about that. Um, <laughs> there is a very faint nautical theme, uh, but it is mostly jokes. And are you finding, you know, off the back of this 
internet success that you're talking about? Is there, is has your are you are you moving up in, in venues and is, is, is the audience there? It's a very weird experience because yeah. um, I had a I had a good fringe in 2022 last year. Yeah, that would be 20 or two years ago if two you're listening to this as a podcast. <laughs> Maybe four years ago if we really hold this back. <laughs> <laughs> Up to four years ago, if some more properly famous people appear <laughs> yeah. and jump the queue. Um, what's the question? <laughs> I, I, I had a good Edinburgh Fringe, yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, it sold out, and they bought an extra shows, which never happened to me before, and it was lovely, and people were coming because they'd seen me online, and people who hadn't seen me before were coming, which was really, really nice. But at the same time, at the Edinburgh Fringe, everyone is so tired, and they've all seen three shows. Yeah. And doing it on tour... So, it has been a very different experience because, well, not every show has been, you know, uh, amazing. I, I, I do make an effort, but it's really nice to have an audience that have come out to see you. Yeah. And this, is, this might be the only thing they're seeing that week or the only thing they're seeing that month. Definitely. And so it has an energy to it, which is, I mean, this night is a bad example of that. But, <laughs> but at other times, there's a vibe from the audience are giving an, something. An absence of energy is still an, It an is a form of, of energy. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I begin, you begin to realise when you hear really experienced um, comedians talk, they often talk about trying to sort of tickle the audience or get, get laughter out of the audience, the idea that the audience brings the laughter and it's the comedian's job to release it. And it feels like just a big... Because I always thought of it as like, no, I'm bringing my sort of sack of jokes and just hoping that each one goes over well. Yeah. And just starting to sort of look at it in a different way as if oh, there's this, all this potential for enjoyment, how to... How to release that in an amusing way. Haven't really worked it out. <laughs> but it's something to think about, isn't it? It's something. But I think, you know, it's so... I think this is... It's, you know, your, your stuff online is terrific. And, you know, I've, I've been a fan of yours for a few years. I saw you uh, do a new Act of the Year competition that I compared, and I remember you from that. Uh, two, so, of, two of them, actually. Yeah. Um, two, you know, two, I remember it that well. That, that might be why I remember you, just because he come back. Yeah. He can't what? be the new act of the year again. That's not... He can't be the, the well, new act it was two it, years. It was quite undignified. <laughs> I, um, I came uh, joint third, yeah. which is slightly worse than not turning up. Yeah. Uh, joint third with uh, Amy Gledhill of, oh, uh, yes. of well, Amy wait. Gledhill and the delightful sausage fame. Um, and uh, she's doing all right. So, you know, it's fine to be joint third. But then the next year none of the people who had ranked above me could come back to do the returning champion spot because <laughs> they'd all moved on. And so they had me, the person who barely placed, come back and do the... And here he is, having achieved nothing in the, 12, the intervening 12 months. Um, and it was nice. But anyway, and you're, he's also left the Lester Mercury Comedian of the Year, 2017, but, you know, it still counts. Uh, but it's, it's still... So you've had a lot of success, but it's great to see the. It's great to see. That was Chort Chortle Breakthrough Act in yeah, twenty twenty. That's two. That's that's in that's the twenty twenties. Thank you to the three people who woo everything I say, but it's starting to sound like pity at this point. <laughs> but what I was trying to make a nice point was just to see, you know, the work you did online has paid off, and you know, led to this book and led to the the tours. You know, being Have able I to do been too shows. negative? Have I? No, not at all. But I just because my know, comedy's I'm... quite upbeat and, and positive, but as a person, <laughs> I'm very. <laughs> you are. You've negative yourself. I don't care. That's fine. You're allowed to be. Uh, I say it saves me doing it, and so it's. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I, I, I think it's, it's a, quite a... good. Please come to the tour and buy the books. They are they are honestly okay. <laughs> they are very good. But my, for other comedians, my dad's read half of it. <laughs> But other comedians, I think it's good to see that that's a viable way through, right? So I think you know, and I think you were, and, and you, the mock the week and everything is is led to is led to you destroying mock the week. But it's you know it's led on to things. So you know, it's a great example, and uh, you know the work you put is in is way too much, uh, but it does <laughs> it does make it all very funny. Uh, look, we're going to have to end it there. But ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the amazing Alistair Beckett King. Hang around, okay. come back next week. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Alistair Beckett King. Thank you to Scant Regard, who provide the music. I'm indebted to George the Incompetent Soundman and Beck Cliff and everyone at the Norwich Playhouse. Thank you so much for having us. 
And thank you to Chris Evans, not that one, of course. And we mustn't forget him or Ben Evans. This is a Sky Potato Fuss and GoFastTheStripe.com production. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.